Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night, frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise, all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, first of all, Happy Halloween, my ghouls and goblins! Alright, second, today's subject is one that I absolutely love, and I hope that you will too. So, with all that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. That's right, sit in front of the cauldron and pass out the candy, guys. Listen up. Alright, so gather your favorite libation, be it a glass of wine or your favorite brewski, and prepare for a journey into the realms of the bizarre and mysterious. Take a sip every time you're bewitched by the podcast's enchanting tales. But of course, the choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours. So choose your poison accordingly. Alright, now for the game part. How about every time I say trials? That will be a single shot. And every time I say, I know you're waiting for it, Salem. That will be a double shot. That's right, my darlings. We are headed to bewitching Salem today. All right, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. So don your very best colonial attire as we dive into today's offering of Enigma Unearthed, the Salem Witch Trial Mysteries. Now, I have two little things before we get started. One, I'm a little under the weather, so I'm sounding a little bit nasally, so I apologize for that. Two, I'm not going to dive into the specific histories of each and every person that was persecuted, accused, and eventually killed. Honestly, I think we all know the story of the Salem Witch Trials. I want to explore that historical context and stuff like that. And we're not going to go into the theories of what we think happened because it's clear that, you know, people are just batshit crazy. Or, you know, it could have been something else. We don't know. But, like I said, I'm not going to get too much into that part of it because... And anybody can watch, you know, the 9,000 specials on the History Channel or the Travel Channel or whichever one you prefer. I'm not going to be diving into those because if I did, honestly, it would be like, what, 12, 13, 14 episodes long and very, very overdone. So we're going to be very small. Okay. All right. Let's jump in. All right. Today... We'll delve into the dark and enigmatic history of the Salem Witch Trials. We're going to explore the historical context, the accused, the paranormal, and the endearing legacy of this haunting chapter in American history. So buckle up and get ready for today's story. Because here we go. Our journey begins in beautiful Salem, Massachusetts in the 17th century. 
The Puritans, who settled in this town, brought with them a deeply religious and conservative way of life. Salem was a place of strict beliefs, and any deviation from the norm was met with suspicion. This rigid atmosphere definitely set the stage for what was going to happen next. To truly understand the Salem witch trials, we must step back in time and immerse ourselves in the intricate historical tapestry of Salem. In the 17th century, Salem was a Puritan stronghold, settled by those who sought religious freedom in the New World. Puritanism was a rigid and austere form of Protestantism. Yeah, I can't say that word very well, and I'm not going to try it again. Marked by strict adherence to the Bible and a fervent belief in predestination. In Salem, this devout religious fervor was palpable. The Puritans believed that they were God's chosen people, and their community was a holy experiment, a city upon a hill meant to serve as an example and a beacon to the rest of the world. But this zealous devotion also bred an environment of intense scrutiny and moral rigidity. Any deviation from the prescribed way of life was viewed with suspicion, and the consequences, well, we're going to find out, could be very severe. The Puritans believed that the devil was real and active in this world, constantly seeking to corrupt the faithful. They believe he stepped among them. This belief in the supernatural, combined with the pressures of maintaining a godly society, set the stage for the events that would later unfold in Salem. The trials were not just a random outburst of hysteria. They were a collision of rigid religious dogma, social tensions, and a fear of the unknown. It's crucial to grasp this historical backdrop, as it provides insight into the deeply rooted beliefs and fears that would ultimately lead to one of the most infamous witch trials in history. The Salem witch trials were not just an anomaly. They were a reflection of a society wrestling with its own demons, both real and imagined. The Salem Witch Trials were ignited by a series of seemingly innocuous events that spiraled into a frenzy of fear and accusations. The spark that ignited this dark chapter in American history can be traced back to the winter of 1692. In a small, close-knit Puritan community, a group of young girls that included Betty Paris and Abigail Williams began to exhibit peculiar and troubling behavior. They suffered from fits, strange convulsions, and unexplained ailments, alarming their families and community. The local physician, Dr. William Griggs, was unable to diagnose their affliction, and so began the search for a supernatural explanation. Because again, the Puritans lived both in the world of reality and the world of the supernatural. As the community grappled with the inexplicable behavior of the afflicted girls, suspicions and fears began to run rampant. Unable to find a rational medical explanation, it was suggested that the girls might be victims of witchcraft. Yeah, I'm going to put my dom 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 right there, because this is where the drama starts. 
Their bizarre actions were attributed to the influence of malevolent forces, and they were encouraged to identify those responsible for their suffering. And this set the stage for a wave, well, a tsunami of accusations. The first accusations were leveled against three women, Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tituba. Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne were already on the fringes of the community, facing social ostracism and poverty. Tituba, a slave from the Caribbean, introduced elements of voodoo and folklore that were unfamiliar and unsettling to the Puritan townsfolk. These factors combined with the girls' accusations led to the arrests of these women, marking the beginning of a witch hunt that would spiral into a harrowing ordeal for many. As tensions mounted in Salem, accusations began to fly. The first to be accused were often women who didn't conform to societal norms, or those with perceived grudges. Fear and paranoia grew, and the witch hunt began in earnest. Notable accused individuals such as Bridget Bishop and Tichaba found themselves caught in this web of hysteria. As the pressure cooker for fear and paranoia reached its boiling point, accusations of witchcraft began to fly like sparks in the dry New England air. Of course, those initial targets were often women who stood on the fringes of the community, like Bridget Bishop, who was a tavern owner with a reputation for nonconformity. Bridget Bishop's case is an emblematic starting point for the witch hunt. She was accused of bewitching her neighbors, and her trial marked the ominous inauguration of the witchcraft hysteria. Detailed accounts from the trial documentation, which have survived the centuries, provide a chilling glimpse into the proceedings. In the courtroom, spectral evidence, a type of testimony based on alleged supernatural occurrences, was shockingly admitted as valid evidence. I'm going to pause for just a second here because most of us are going, okay, we're smart individuals. We would never believe spectral evidence. But again, don't think that our forefathers were less intelligent than we are. They had a different belief system and they believed in the supernatural. Just like, let's say, for example, you live in a home that you know has a poltergeist. Your friends may not believe you about it, but you know that something is going on and it's something out of the ordinary. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Just want to put that in your mind. Okay, back to our story. The girls who claimed to be afflicted by the accused often described encounters with spectral forms of the witches. These testimonies were taken very seriously, and they sealed the fates of many accused individuals. The courtroom itself became a surreal theater of fear and accusations. Accused witches like Tichuba, the slave from the Caribbean, were pressured to confess to their alleged crimes. Tichuba's confession, which she later retracted, added another layer of complexity to the trials. And Tichuba did actually first confess to being a witch and named a bunch of other people as well because she thought that was the only way to save her life. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but if you know that 
the end result is death and the only way that you can possibly survive. I'm going to say everything that I can to save my own skin. I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. But the proceedings were marked by mass hysteria with accusers and accused some claiming to see apparitions. The records of the trial serve as both historical documents and haunting reminders of the chaos and fear that gripped Salem during this dark period. As we explore these documented accounts, we gain a deeper understanding of how the Salem witch trials unfolded and the role that hysteria, legal proceedings, and spectral evidence played in this terrifying chapter of our history. These accused individuals had their lives turned upside down. Their backgrounds, such as Bridget Bishop's colorful history and eerie testimonies, often sealed their own fates. Due process was nowhere to be found, as spectral evidence was admitted in court openly. The courtroom courtroom became a chaotic and surreal place. But let's dig deeper into the lives of the accused and unravel the complex web of theories behind why that hysteria took root. We're going to start with Bridget Bishop. She was a woman that was known for her unconventional ways and penchant for wearing red. She was also the first to be hanged as a witch in Salem. Her colorful history as a tavern owner and the social boundaries she transgressed made her a prime target. As we delve into her story, we uncover the depth of societal norms and the role that they played in the accusations. Tituba, that slave from the Caribbean, was another prominent figure. Her role in the trials is enigmatic. Initially, she confessed to practicing witchcraft and even claimed to have seen the devil himself. However, she later retracted that confession, delving into her story, raises questions about the pressure exerted on those accused and the complexities of their testimonies. The trials were not only about the individuals on trial. They were a reflection of the broader social dynamics of Salem itself. The accusers often had personal grievances or ulterior motives. Big surprise, right? And their accusations were a means of settling scores or achieving personal goals. As we uncover those intricate stories, we start to see the fragile balance between personal vendettas and collective paranoia. But why did the hysteria take root with such intensity? One theory suggests that the economic and political instability of the time created a climate ripe for scapegoating. The witch trials provided a convenient outlet for societal tensions and anxieties. The religious fervor of the Puritans, combined with these pressures, may have fueled the fervent belief in the supernatural. Furthermore, the lack of due process and the acceptance of spectral evidence in the courtroom created a perfect storm for the escalations of the trials. The recorded testimonies from the accused and accusers provide a stark reminder of how mass hysteria can lead to the persecution of innocent people. As we delve into these theories and stories, we gain a deeper appreciation of the multifaceted nature of the Salem witch trials, as well as the socio-political factors that contributed to this dark chapter. The escalation of the trials was not solely the result of the fear and paranoia of ordinary citizens. No, no. It was also heavily influenced by the church and those in positions of power. 
We're going to explore the pivotal role that religious and political authorities played in exacerbating the accusations and trials. The Puritan faith was the cornerstone of life in Salem. It provided a moral compass and a sense of community, but it also fostered a deep-seated fear of the devil and the supernatural. Ministers and religious leaders held tremendous sway over the people, and their sermons often intensified the anxiety around witchcraft. Prominent figures within the church, such as Cotton Mather and Increase Mather, yeah, that is actually what their names were, I know, I can't say, whatever. They not only endorsed the trials, but actively promoted the hunt for witches. Their influential writings and sermons provided a theological justification for the persecution of supposed witches. The power and authority of the church, therefore, played a crucial role in the rapid escalation of the hunts. Additionally, political figures and magistrates also contributed to the mounting hysteria. Local officials were under immense pressure to maintain order in the community. Fearing that failure to address the perceived threat of witchcraft would undermine their authority, they actively supported and facilitated the trials. Their decisions, often motivated by political survival, further fueled the witch hunts. As we examine the role of the church and those in power, we begin to understand how the Salem witch trials transformed from a local hysteria into a full-blown crisis. It was a three-ring circus. I think we all know that. The combination of religious fervor, political interests, and societal tensions created a toxic brew that allowed the accusations and trials to escalate to unprecedented levels. But the Salem witch trials weren't just about legal proceedings. They also had a supernatural dimension. The belief in witches and witchcraft was deeply ingrained in the culture of the time. Unexplainable events, spectral apparitions, and eerie occurrences played a significant role in the hysteria. Beyond the legal proceedings and accusations, the Salem witch trials were imbued with a profound sense of the paranormal and supernatural, deeply intertwined with the worldview of the people of the time. To understand this aspect fully, let's explore the eerie and enigmatic occurrences that enveloped this dark chapter. In the 17th century, the belief in witches and witchcraft was not just a fringe notion, but a deeply ingrained part of the culture. People of the time viewed the supernatural world as intimately intertwined with their own. They believed that malevolent forces were ever-present and that the devil himself sought to corrupt the faithful. They truly believed the devil would walk down the street and they could see him for themselves. And I'm just going to say that first off, they just assumed it was a him. I'm just going to say it could be a woman. Just saying. Okay. I'm not going to go there. The spectral evidence presented during the trials played a significant role in reinforcing these beliefs. Accusers claimed to see apparitions of witches, who were often portrayed as tormenting them or tempting them into dark pacts. These otherworldly encounters were taken as irrefutable proof of the accused's guilt. Moreover, the people of Salem and the surrounding communities were keenly aware of the natural world's mysteries. Folk magic, 
superstitions, and a belief in the occult were commonplace. Everyday events such as an unusual weather pattern or the sudden death of livestock were often attributed to witchcraft or the supernatural. It was literally a world where the line between the ordinary and the supernatural was blurred. The paranormal atmosphere didn't stop at the courtroom doors. The accused often made striking confessions about their involvement with the supernatural. Tituba's account of encounters with the devil and spectral visions sent shivers down the spines of all those who were present. As we delve into these confessions and the broader context of the time, we begin to comprehend the extent to which the supernatural was integrated into the psyche of Salem's residents. The Salem witch trials, in many ways, were not merely a legal spectacle, but a manifestation of the deeply held beliefs in the paranormal and the supernatural. The accusations in the subsequent trials were not just about individuals. They were a reflection of a society that was constantly navigating the blurred boundary between the earthly and the otherworldly. With their chaos, lack of due process, and reliance on spectral evidence, the trials remain a stark reminder of the dangers of mass hysteria and the consequences of flawed legal proceedings. Next, we're going to explore the enduring impact of these trials on modern-day law enforcement and modern trials. It's true that the Salem Witch Trials left an indelible mark on the collective consciousness, serving as a cautionary tale for the legal system. The absence of proper legal procedures, the rush to judgment, and the unchecked power of the accusers and judges are lessons that continue to influence contemporary criminal justice. Although, I'm going to say, have we really learned anything? Just saying. One notable legacy of the Salem Witch Trials is the principle that legal proceedings must be fair and just. The trials highlighted the importance of due process, the right to a fair trial, and the presumption of innocence. These principles have become foundational in modern legal systems worldwide, protecting individuals from baseless accusations and ensuring that justice is served. The Salem Witch Trials also underscore the perils of relying on unverified or dubious evidence. The use of spectral evidence, which could not be corroborated, played a central role in the miscarriages of justice. In modern legal systems, the bar for admissible evidence is significantly higher, with a strong emphasis on empirical, verifiable, and reliable evidence. Additionally, the Salem Witch Trials have spurred discussions and reflections on the importance of skepticism and critical thinking in legal proceedings. They serve as a reminder that accusations, even in the face of intense social pressure, should be subject to rigorous scrutiny and skepticism. These principles are now fundamental in safeguarding the rights of the accused. As we reflect on the Salem Witch Trials and their impact on modern law enforcement and trials, we recognize that the past continues to inform the present. The lessons learned from this dark chapter in history underscore the ongoing commitment to justice, fairness, and the protection of individual rights in the legal system today. The echoes of the Salem Witch Trials reverberate not only in history books, but also in the modern town of Salem. Even today, Salem bears the scars of this dark chapter. 
The town is known for its haunted history, with stories of paranormal activity and ghosts that still linger. But beyond the supernatural, the Salem witch trials also left an indelible mark on American history, reminding us of the dangers of mass hysteria and the importance of critical thinking. We'll also contemplate how the conditions that led to the hysteria then could in many ways be replicated in our world of today. In present-day Salem, a town that thrives on its bewitching past, you can feel the palpable connection to history at every turn. Museums, memorials, and walking tours recount the chilling events of the trials, serving as a stark reminder of the dark facets of human nature. The legacy of the Salem Witch Trials is a living testament to the consequences of mass hysteria and the fragility of justice. It's crucial to remember that the people who lived through the Salem Witch Trials were, in many ways, not so different from us today. They were ordinary individuals navigating a world fraught with uncertainties, fears, and the potential for mob mentality. Their actions during the trials were driven by social dynamics, personal vendettas, and a deep-seated belief in the supernatural. As we examine the Salem Witch Trials, we must also confront a troubling truth. The conditions that led to the hysteria then are not entirely dissimilar from those that exist in our world today. Fear, misinformation, and the temptation to seek scapegoats can still take hold, leading to a cycle of accusations and injustice. The trials serve as a stark reminder that, under the right circumstances, mass hysteria and moral panic can reemerge in any society. In a world increasingly interconnected and influenced by social media, the speed at which information spreads and narratives develop has the potential to amplify fear and paranoia, just as it did in 1692 Salem. The Salem Witch Trials are a testament to the endearing power of history to inform and guide us. Their legacy impels us to be vigilant, to critically assess the information we encounter, and to safeguard the principles of justice, fairness, and the protection of individual rights. They serve as a chilling warning that the conditions for mass hysteria are not confined to the past, and that we must remain vigilant against its resurgence in our world today. As we conclude our journey through the Salem Witch Trials, it's clear that the enigma of this historical event is multifaceted. It's a mixture of fear, paranoia, superstition, and a dark chapter in American history that we must remember and learn from. It becomes increasingly apparent that history holds a mirror to the present and a cautionary tale for the future. The trials, with their dark history and lasting repercussions, provide us all with valuable insights into the fragility of justice and the power of mass hysteria. But they also compel us to reflect on the shared humanity between those who lived through that turbulent era and those of us today. Our examination of the trials, the role of the church, and those in power and the endearing implications on modern law enforcement and trials reveal that the trials themselves were not a mere anomaly but a complex interplay of social dynamics, religious fervor, and 
unchecked power. Sound familiar? The legacy of the Salem Witch Trials, palpable in modern Salem, serves as an indelible reminder of the perils of collective hysteria and the ease with which it can resurface in any society. It prompts us to critically assess the narratives that shape our world, to champion the principles of justice, and to safeguard the rights of the accused. In the 17th century, the people of Salem were not so different from us today, navigating their world of uncertainty, fear, and the potential for panic. Their actions serve as a stark reminder that, under certain conditions, the darkest facets of human nature can emerge. It's incumbent upon us to learn from the past, to cultivate critical thinking, and to ensure that history does not repeat itself. The Salem Witch Trials, with their lessons of due process, fair trials, skepticism, and the enduring need for justice, guide us into a future where we remain vigilant against the resurgence of mass hysteria. In the grand tapestry of the Salem Witch Trials, it's as if someone tossed a cauldron of absurdity into the mix. We've unraveled the threads of history, the paranoia, and the peculiar events, and it's safe to say that in the realm of human folly, these trials truly take the cake, or maybe the broomstick. Let's toast to the past and hope that we've learned enough to ward off any future witch hunts. After all, as the saying goes, those who don't learn from history are, well, doomed to repeat it, or at least make the same spellbinding mistakes. And with that, my darlings, I wish you a very happy and spooktacular Halloween, and we have come to the end of our episode. I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts about today's episode. You can reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you got some thoughts you want to share about today's episode or any previous episode, or you're bored and you just want to chit chat, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, that's all the time I have for you this evening, my darlings, because it's candy time. That's right. And I'm watching a really stupid, scary movie. Okay, that's my Halloween. (laughs) And I do thank you for joining me here today on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it, don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.